Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, I am Sergio Verstovchuk. I'm professor of medicine in the leukemia department at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Today, I'm going to talk on how do you define and manage no response or loss of response to JAK inhibitor therapy. According to NCCN guidelines on a therapy for malfibrosis, and specifically focusing on people with uh, advanced features, so-called high-risk malfibrosis patients, we would see that we initiate therapy where the symptom burden is significant, and then look at the plated number as a determining factor which JAK2 inhibitor to consider to control the symptoms. I'm talking about the symptomatic improvement in the spleen and general systemic symptoms, night sweating, low-grade fevers, itching, bone aches, and pains, and others. Pacritinib is approved therapy since February of 2022 for patients with platelets below 50. So that's a number one choice. As we know, ruxolitinib and fedratinib are choices for patients with platelets above 50. One or the other can be used. Now, when we face a no response or loss of response situation, then the guidelines and the current practice indicate that any alternative JAK inhibitor can be used as alternative. For example, after ruxolitinib, one would consider fedratinib or even pacritinib, regardless of the platelet number. If we start with fedratinib, ruxolitinib or pacritinib can be used. So combination exists. But the key parameters here is a no response or a loss of response definition. A definition does not really exist of a loss of response or no response. There is no consensus definition as listed on this slide. We talk about the primary resistance or refractiveness typically, but I should say almost everybody has uh, any patient a degree of improvement with any JAK inhibitor. So primary resistance is very rare. Relapse or loss of initial response is much more common and we call this many times secondary resistance, a splenic relapse or loss of control of the symptoms. But there is also intolerance or a progression of the disease, which is anemia or thrombocytopenia. In fact, most of the time, anemia or cytopenia in general is the leading cause for stopping ruxolitinib. Disease progression with the disease progressing to acute myeloleukemia is another possibility, unrelated really to a JAK inhibitor use. Definition of ruxolitinib treatment failure in clinical trials also varies from one study to another. So we really face, even when we talk about a clinical study execution, we lack uh, definitions. Now, in everyday practice, the durability of ruxolitinib as a first-line choice may vary. In the clinical studies, we know that uh, the average duration is about three years, and then something else needs to be done. Unlike any other study, what you can see here in a red color is uh, the experience in people with uh, low platelets. This is in a black color, and you can see here that the average duration is very short. After ruxolitinib, outcome is poor. And again, there are factors that will determine who does better than the others. For example, platelet numbers, or blast, or a genetic complexity. These are all the factors that can determine the outcome. And certainly there is an unmet need here in terms of providing benefit 
to people who are by and large cytopenic. When we look at the fedratinib use in a circular setting, we look at the analysis of a phase two open label study called Jakarta 2. Now, this is in patients that were previously treated with ruxolitinib, and we have about 27 to 30% response rate, as you can see, which is very valuable. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that fedratinib worsens anemia and thrombocytopenia and has some gastrointestinal side effects and black box warning for encephalopathy, which is a result of a thiamine deficiency. Encephalopathy, Wernicke encephalopathy, is a very rare side effect of thiamine deficiency, but one needs to measure thiamine and supplement if, if necessary. So in this setting, recent approval of pacritinib is very welcome. PAC203 study was a study in people who were previously treated refractory resistant intolerant to ruxolitinib and have a platelet below 100, which is quite common in a second setting. As you can see, a 31% of available patients, even with platelets below 50,000, had a response in the spleen, and a very good number of patients, about 27% of them, even had improvement in TSS, total symptom score, in a range of 50%. At the same time, in that PAC-203 study in a second setting with patients having platelets below 100, we see on the left side that the platelets were normal or stable, to be correct, over time during the therapy, while some patients, as you see to the right, had improvement in anemia. So anemia response is a possibility when you use pacritinib in the second setting. And here we come to momentum study. Momentum study is phase three randomized study of momelotinib versus danazole. A momentum study is under review for possible approval of momelotinib as a therapy for patients with anemia and symptoms because, as you see on this slide, this was a study designed for patients that were symptomatic with anemia and platelets above 25,000 with the key parameters in assessment of the quality of life improvement and anemia benefits. And in this setting, this transfusion independence rate achieved at week 24 is quite significant. Many patients in second setting are very anemic. And you see to the left, 31% of the patients on mamelotinib were transfusion independent after 24 weeks of therapy. To the right, you can see how hemoglobin levels improved and were stable over time at the higher levels than at the beginning. And of course, momentum also outlined the benefit of a momelotinib on the spleen and symptoms. Because this is a JAK inhibitor, you do have improvements in these two parameters as well. In summary, cytopenia and myelofibrosis is a marker of poor prognosis disease, which we know very well, but also affects uh, choices and abilities of therapies we choose to provide optimal benefit and provide it for a long period of time. Standard therapy options are limited and new therapeutic options that have recently been approved, like pacritinib, or in development for possible approval in the near future, like momelotinib, are very welcome. Thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.